Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. How about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Hey, everybody, and welcome In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Our program brought to you each weekday when we get around to it by CH Insurance and uh, Burdick Toyota, good to have you in the booth today following the victory for the Orange basketball team last night in Louisville. And uh, kind of a no-show yesterday because of the game on the road. No show tomorrow. We're doing a special Syracuse Football National Letter of Intent signing day show on ACC Network Extra tomorrow. And then we'll be back on Thursday to uh, look at Orange basketball with Mike Waters of Syracuse.com. We've got a bunch of odds and ends for you here today as we rehash the game last night, which uh, I know the guys, Steve and Seth, have talked about it a great deal so far today as well. A life-breathing win for Syracuse hoops last night, just when the recent performances at Georgia Tech, uh, even for that matter at Pittsburgh, which was a win, but uh, the Georgia Tech game, getting bogged down offensively and then certainly getting handcuffed by a very good Virginia team in the Dome on Saturday. It started to make you think, well, when are they going to have enough firepower to win a game and are they going to have enough potential wins here in the rest of the season, in the second half of the ACC schedule to get the job done? And the win last night gets them to five conference wins, so now you need maybe four or five more victories before the year is out and uh, you look at the opportunities ahead for those. The Orange have this because of the Monday night game. The benefit of a quick turnaround playing two games in three days is then you uh, tend to have a bit of a gap before the next one, and it's not even Saturday that they play next. It is Sunday, 1 o'clock in the Dome against Wake Forest, a team that uh, Syracuse would be favored to beat, should have already beaten once down in Winston-Salem. So that was one of the missed opportunities on the schedule and uh, a chance to not really make amends for that because it's uh, still a lost game but to, to take care of business at home and then uh, turn around at home on the 14th against NC State. Another game that if you're looking to get to uh, 500 in ACC play overall, it would uh, be wise to win that one before a road trip to Miami and so on. You heard Coach Beheim's comment there a moment ago about how you know this is one of the biggest wins in a long time. The, uh, the idea is that, you know, was Louisville ranked? No. Is Louisville headed to the tournament? Can't tell you yet. Was it a sellout crowd? No. But this this win has a lot to do about are you turning off this season or are you engaged from a, a fan base? And uh, there's a lot to like about it. It was uh, a win where everybody needed to contribute. They only used six players, uh, a story certainly that has been uh, underlying throughout uh, the course of this season and got contributions from everyone in uh, what you can tell from the Hall of Famer was a rewarding win. This was our best win in a long time. It was coming off a couple really not good offensive, three bad offensive performances in a row and to play well offensively tonight. I just thought we had great patience. We hit some shots. It's a lot easier to try to win a game when you score more than 50 points. 
and uh, we haven't been able to do that for a few games now. And uh, this was, uh, you know, it was a great effort. And, and it was because everybody needed to do something. Pascal or uh, Tyus Battle and Frank Howard, you pretty much need them to do their thing if you're going to win. They combined for 47 points last night, and you, you set that aside. You're still going to need more. O'Shea Brissett had his best game in a couple of weeks, 16 points, 8 rebounds. And then really, if you look at what put the Cuse over the top, it was the contributions of Marek Dolajai and Pascal Chuku, who uh, combined for 13 points, 14 rebounds, a couple of steals uh, in the game. So uh, exciting victory. And to hear Coach Beheim use the word patience is somewhat interesting because if you think about what's been the worst look for Syracuse in recent games, it's throwing it around the perimeter, looking, 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 nothing there, bad shot at the end of the shot clock. And that really wasn't the case last night because if they did drain the shot clock, they got, uh, it seems, a decent shot. They also had opportunities to go before the Louisville uh, defense set up, and they scored in a bunch of different ways last night. We've struggled to score, and I thought the one thing we were a little better on tonight was uh, moving the ball and taking or being patient. But at the end of the day, you know, we haven't been making shots. We made shots. Our guards have been 4 for 17, 4 for 17, 4 for 17, 6 for 17. If they do that tonight, you know, we lose. So, you know, they made, both of them made 7 for 15. Interesting that uh, for the second game in a row, the line for Frank Howard and Tyus Battle was identical as they each went 7 for 15. Howard made three three pointers. Battle not only didn't make a three pointer, he only took two. He was 0 for 2. He had a couple of tough mid range shots, uh, got to the rim a little bit as well, but most importantly, got to the free throw line which was a key for Syracuse. They wound up with just three more attempts than Louisville at the line in the game, but uh, at least neutralized them there in a game where the Orange uh, committed a lot of fouls and uh, were in foul trouble uh, for a significant part of the game. Syracuse is not going to light up anybody from three-point range, but they they need to get a couple here and there. And for Frank Howard to hit three, that's big. That's a little bit more routine. For O'Shea Brissett to hit three is huge. And Brissett's had a hard time finishing his uh, two-point field goal percentage has not been good uh, really since the start of conference play, but uh, did have three threes last night. Uh, had to be honored there. That opens up driving lanes and all kinds of good things come from that. But a Syracuse team to score 78, if you had said that yesterday, I would have asked you maybe how many overtimes it would take uh, to get to 78 points because they just of late have not really had any offensive oomph. Prior to yesterday, they had scored 30 points in the first half only once in the previous eight games. But uh, last night had that well in hand uh, very early prior to halftime and wound up with 39 at the break. When the end of the first half situation went sour, you had to think, oh, geez, here's Louisville already taking a step to cutting into uh, what was a nine-point lead at 39-30. Syracuse did not get a quality shot at the end of the half. Braden Bayer was in the game at that time, uh, hesitant to take a three. They got a bad shot. Uh, turn it over to Louisville, who, uh, after a timeout, was able to hit a 40-footer and uh, tighten it up right there with a big lift, a momentum boost going into the break. But uh, Louisville didn't really take advantage of that. From their perspective, Quentin Snyder really let them down. He was one of eight shooting, one of five from three-point range, seemed out of sorts. The Syracuse defense pressured up on him and uh, lots of good things about what the Orange were able to do on defense. The biggest sore spot was the high-low game 
that uh, Anas Mahmoud and Ray Spalding had going in the second half, and it looked like if that had kept up, Louisville might have won the game going away. Uh, they had scored probably four straight times, and I think two of them were tips. But, you know, when they get Spalding in under the basket, we can't do much with him in that situation. But uh, we, we made, you know, when you have a lead and you lose it down the road, it's always tough. you got to make plays. you still got to make a play or two. We, we knew we had the clock. We just had to get back up to four. Two's not enough. But, you know, we were patient. And, and again, it came down to, you know, Tyus making that jump shot in the lane to get us some space and then the tip in. Ray Spaulding uh, is a beast. 18 points, 9 rebounds. He was 7 of 8 from the field in 28 minutes. His first non-start of the year. He'd been bothered a little bit by an ankle injury. Still basically played starters minutes and had a huge role in the game. Uh, Three assists. He and uh, Mahmoud, who also had three assists, had a good thing going uh, between the two of them when they were both in there. And uh, that's what, if you look at Louisville, you're thinking, gee, these guys uh, should score more and win more with uh, those two in the game, but uh, they came up a little bit short, obviously, due to the efforts of the Orange last night, who got to 5-6 and six in ACC play. That means seven games remaining, and every single one from here on out could go either way. The toughest game Syracuse has left is at Duke. That'll uh, be their, the game where you think, well, you know, maybe they don't have much of a chance in this one, but they've won down there before. You know, Virginia, who's really good this year, just won at Duke for the first time since 1995. Syracuse is already in its uh, short time in the conference, won at Duke, and uh, could again. But the Orange also have four home games remaining and uh, some opportunities to do some things. As uh, you know, in the ACC, what you sign up for is every game really mattering. Well, we need wins. <laughs> we need wins <laughs> anywhere. The road's good. We need to get wins. You know, we got. I told them last uh, after the game the other night, we've got eight games left, and our season will be determined by what we do in these eight games. And uh, we've let a couple slip away, and this you know, makes up for, you know, certainly for one of those. But every game's going to be like this. We're not overpowering anybody. We haven't overpowered anybody. We're going to have tough games every game out. And Coach Beheim's talk to the team before the game yesterday was about how you're going to need contributions from everybody to uh, win these games it's not going to be just Frank Howard and Tyus Battle. Yes, they're going to take the, the bulk of the shots, and they did again last night. They had 30 attempts. The rest of the team, 23. They're going to score the bulk of the points. They had 47 combined out of 78. But you need a little bit of something for everybody else. And uh, so O'Shea Brissett really stepped up big. Marek Dolezal and Pascal Chuku as well. Matthew Moyer had a bench roll 13 minutes, and Braden Bayer just the uh, last possession or so at the end of the first half. That is not new, and it won't be new going forward. This is a team that's going to play a core of five for as long as it can. Uh, Moyer is a role player uh, to provide a little bit of a breather. Maybe he has the hot hand on a, on a given night or a matchup issue, but uh, right now it's going to be six for the foreseeable future and see how they can get through with that. Around the country, there's a few teams that play five or six guys. Villanova's pretty good, last I looked. And they played one guy six minutes and one guy three minutes yesterday and beat, you know, a top 15 team and scored 92 points. So there's a few teams that play five or six guys. And our players are in great shape. They're, they're capable. They don't seem tired. They make plays at the end of games. They've been playing the whole year. And we've won an over, overtime game. We've won games at the end. 
And, you know, that's just going to the way it's going to be. First of all, this team doesn't have a lot of choice. So it's not like they're playing five or six guys uh, because it's some uh, rule or because coach doesn't like the guys on the bench, et cetera. Um, no, you, there really just aren't that many options. Uh, Barama Sidibe is a guy that could change, th- change things right now. And the deal for him is that his knee is just too sore to, to go. They're, you know, going to look at the option of, surgery, et cetera, and, and evaluate whether that's necessary and how to work it in and, and what have you. But uh, right now, uh, maybe rest will help, and that's what Coach Beheim is optimistic of uh, for this coming game with uh, almost a full week before the Orange play again against Wake Forest on Sunday. But uh, Sidibe is out until further notice. Our backup point guard was helping us, and it's just a, it's tough to lose him and Barama. You know, goes for 18 and 16, and then he tweaks his knee again. So we're hoping that this week the rest will help him and, you know, he'll be back. The one thing I think it has helped a little bit, and I, I believe this, when you know you're going to play the whole game and you're not quite as confident maybe as you should be, I think you play better. I, I really do. Well, I don't think there's any debate about that. I think Frank Howard knew he was going to play this year, and then when Geno Thorpe left, there certainly wasn't any question about it. But Howard is not looking over his shoulder like John Gillen's going to come in. That's among the reasons why Howard's a much better player this year than last. And for Pascal Chukwu, to a similar extent, you know, centers don't typically play 40 minutes. That's big dudes running up and down, and you're going to get into foul trouble and, and that type of thing. But uh, Pascal played 36 last night, five points, eight boards. He knows he's got to go. He knows Barone is... Uh, not at 100%. In fact, not even at the point where he can go in and give a few minutes. Sidibe does warm up. Uh, maybe he was considered, we don't know, uh, given the, the foul trouble. But the the thought going into the game yesterday was he's probably not going to play. And for the long run, he's available kind of a, an emergency-only status. Well, if you didn't view having four fouls on all three of your front court players as an emergency, then what would it be? You know, unless – Another guy had fouled out or, or something like that. And then, uh, you know, now you actually need Sadiba on the floor to field five or whatever was going to uh, transpire there. So maybe Sadiba plays like one game every out of every three or, or whatever to, uh, to find a way when he's healthy to go. But uh, at this point, you have to consider him as on the shelf and anything you get from him. A bonus. Well, we're off and running here on the, the show, and we we're going to have – we had Greg Paulus on the pregame – Last night, we were going to uh, kind of warm that over for you a little bit and have you hear some of the highlights on the show today anyway. And then Syracuse.com uh, released an exhaustive – it has to be a ton of work to go through and do that, but their list of the uh, top 75 uh, area high school basketball players of all time. And, of course, Greg is on that list with a, a bunch of other familiar names that many of you know from uh, their college days and certainly their high school days, and uh, many of them – have uh, positions of prominence in the community now. So we'll touch base on that and hear from Greg Paulus as we continue. If you'd like to join us by phone, you can do that at 437-7644. That's 4ESPN44. Back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Syracuse in Winston-Salem Sunday to face Wake Forest. Tip at 2, Orange pregame 145. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Good to have you back with us in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. As we uh, talk sports with you, we'll be back on Thursday, Friday as well. 
on the show. You can join us at 437-76-444-ESPN44. A couple of uh, odds and ends to bring to you here. We were uh, going to share with you anyway this uh, Greg Paulus visit that we had last night and uh, kind of replay parts of it that would be of the uh, local boy done good variety as opposed to uh, getting into the game last night. We had a little bit of everything with Greg, who's now in his first year as an assistant coach at the University of Louisville. And then, God bless him, over at the uh, Syracuse.com, they released today, they may have had this out before for all I know, but uh, their list of the uh, top 75 high school basketball players in our area over time, Greg Paulus number seven, but uh, very pleased personally to see a couple of my uh, broadcast partners there, Matt Rowe checking in at 29, the uh, left his career at the time he since has been passed, but uh, as the all-time leading scorer at Fayetteville Manlius High School, and Played three years, of course, for Syracuse and one for Maryland. And uh, Jim Saddle checking in number 13. That is a bold position. Very strong for Sats. The uh, star at St. John the Baptist before going on to uh, St. Bonaventure and uh, having an outstanding career there. And then a, a player that he recruited is right ahead of him, number 12 on the list out of CBA, Earl Belcher, who would go on to play for uh, Saddle and at uh, St. Bonaventure and then get drafted by the uh, San Antonio Spurs and uh, lots of good names on this list. And uh, you look at both the football and basketball list of all time here at Syracuse and some of these guys you may, there a lot of them are back in our community, but uh, it's a better list than you might think otherwise until you sit and go through it. More college and, and pro players than uh, maybe meets the eye or that you recall. And the, first of all, great work by the gang at uh, Syracuse.com. The pictures alone had to take a lot of effort to recover, and it makes it um, a fun exercise to kind of spin through some of the names and the years. But uh, it's also neat that a lot of these people you might know from work or church or something that you're involved in uh, around the community. So good work by uh, Nolan Widener and uh, Charlie Miller. They uh, ran a football version of this uh, back in the fall, I guess, and our friend, of course, uh, Chris Gedney on that list, the former Liverpool star as well. So good to see a lot of familiar names and the names that we bring you here on the uh, the radio broadcast uh, uh, recognized in that way. Anyway, catching up with Greg Paulus, you may remember that he was uh, among those caught up in this deal. Uh, certainly Louisville needed some help, needed to put a staff together, and Greg got the call. Greg was uh, floating around after, you know, no fault of his, Thad Mata, the uh, head coach at Ohio State and Greg's boss for the previous handful of years. Uh, he parted ways with Ohio State uh, in an awkward time here in the summer. It wasn't like a, a firing at the end of the year or anything like that. Uh, Mata with some health concerns and uh, not great seasons the, the last uh, couple of years, just kind of on the bubble and on the borderline. And so that created a position for Paulus to uh, wind up at Louisville. We caught up with him last night in advance of the game. Fortunate for the opportunity. This is uh, a great place, a, a program with such great rich tradition, and, and uh, proud to be a part of it. What was the span of uh, just a few days, right, in the summer? Uh, you and Megan got hitched, and you find out your boss was leaving his job at Ohio State. Uh, that, no change there, right? Uh, what a week. <laughs> uh, unexpected change, but, uh, you know, had an opportunity a few months to uh, use that to get better at my craft and, and uh, visit a lot of places and had a chance to 
uh, spend time with coaches, see how they run their program, see uh, the intricacies of that, and, and um, you know, was able to connect with uh, David Padgett here, and uh, things have worked out uh, terrifically. How well suited do you feel like you guys are, you personally and, and as a staff, to come into what was obviously a tumultuous situation? I know you were looking for a job, period, but to, to come in and kind of quell things here a little bit well it certainly took some time for us to get familiar with each other uh you know having a chance to see uh no david page on the road recruiting you, you know him a little bit but having the opportunity to work with him is is different you know you're you're talking about uh team and players development um you know not not knowing the louisville way as much um and how he wanted things done on october 18th was my first day and the season starts in just a few weeks. They're already in, in the middle of practice. So trying to build a relationship with these kids while the staff is, is working on building chemistry, preparing for the season. Greg Paulus is our guest, the former uh, CBA and Duke star and one-time Orange uh, football quarterback, now an assistant coach here at Louisville. And we had to get your thoughts on Coach Marone. What you think from, from afar? He was your uh, coach when you were the quarterback <laughs> for the one year. You came in at the, the same time. and. Uh, how about him going to the AFC Championship game? What, what a special year. Um, you know, I know he's uh, probably disappointed he didn't he didn't finish that game off and, and uh, play for the Super Bowl. But uh, you look at the record from before, 3-13, and 13, um, and then them going to the playoffs this year with his first year in Jacksonville and then uh, taking them to the AFC Championship and, and right there uh, until Tom Brady did uh, some Tom Brady things. But uh, so excited for him to get the opportunity again. Uh, loved playing for him did an incredible job with the Syracuse football program and, and uh, very proud to have the opportunity to play for him. Yeah, very cool to watch uh, him from afar and, and you for that matter. And uh, this, is, this is great. Great spot for you to, to be and uh, sky's the limit, right? In terms of, I guess you guys will see how this uh, rides out and there's no reason you can't stick here and thrive or uh, certainly you'll be well suited to go somewhere else if the, that's what's in the cards, right? We, we hope for the opportunity. We love being a part of this university, the community, the basketball program. And uh, hopefully we can, uh, you know, get, a, get something going here at the end, build some momentum. And uh, we're looking forward to the challenge tonight versus Syracuse. And uh, we know how that challenge turned out with Syracuse picking off the win. That means three losses in a row for Louisville. That's the first three-game losing streak they've had in five years and uh, starts to bring about some concern. Of course, there is already. When you, when you go in as an acting head coach and they don't give you the full-time title, and I think these guys all are bracing for that being a transient position to begin with. But Greg uh, does things the right way, uh, very passionate about the game and about people and uh, making relationships, and uh, he well-suited to the idea of having to go in and put out a fire for a program that's been disgraced to a degree. Uh, they're obviously going to get hit by the NCAA here at some point. Coach Beheim had some uh, comments about that last night as well, uh, parenthetically, uh, in support of Rick Pitino, his longtime friend and the previous head coach at Louisville. But uh, Greg Paulus will thrive in whatever situation he's been put in, given his upbringing and his intelligence and his work ethic and his relationships. So it was good to see him last night. He was uh, number seven on that list from uh, Syracuse.com and the all-time great high school basketball players in the area. And our guest coming up here in a few moments, we're going to turn the spotlight on not a guy that was – you don't know him really at all. I mean, he wasn't a standout high school football player, but he's from our area, and he actually has a contemporary that's on the basketball list. But Matt Patricia from Vernon Verona Sherrill High School, about to get his first head coaching job. The official press conference is tomorrow at 3 o'clock. He'll be named the new leader of the Detroit Lions. Uh, now that the Patriots season is over, those uh, kind of deals that have been made but not publicized to this point – allow Patricia to go to the Lions and 
Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, will be the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So we'll visit with Matt Derry of uh, Detroit coming up later. We had Matt on a few weeks ago because he's involved in the uh, broadcast of Oakland University basketball, but he also does a podcast for the Lions and has covered them uh, for a long time and get the idea of what type of situation Matt Patricia is stepping in. So a local boy there and Greg Paulus, an assistant coach at Louisville and to be a local boy that's the head coach in the National Football League, one of just uh, those 32 jobs. We'll get into that as we continue. You're in the booth. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the dboffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care. His team lost the Super Bowl. Now Rob Gronkowski has lost some possessions. Police in Foxborough, Massachusetts say the Patriots' tight end's home was robbed sometime on Monday. Authorities are not saying exactly what was stolen, but a police dispatcher appears on a recording saying, quote, multiple safes, uh, safes and possibly guns were allegedly taken. Gronk was not home at the time of the robbery. Yeah, obviously. But the uh, you know what? I want to know what my first thought was? Upon hearing this earlier today, number one, why doesn't this happen more often? Mm. Right? Public figures, it's pretty easy to figure out where they are, and then you can deduce where they are not. Right? So That's true. We, yeah. we know Rob Gronkowski's in uh, Minneapolis. He's at the Super Bowl. And, you know, obviously professional athletes with the means ought to have killer uh, surveillance and security systems at their expensive homes. But this will create a... a if it hasn't already, there obviously is an industry for home security, but just like you, you never hear where funerals is another one, right? Yeah. So people, you, you know when the funeral is, you put it in the paper, everybody in the family is going to be at the funeral, and you always have to have somebody, you know, the neighbor or somebody that can stay and watch the house because your your house is uh, ripe for the picking, which right. is just horrible. But that'll, that'll create a thing. Now, all these athletes, they've got a guy for nutrition and a guy for training. They're going to need a guy that's their, like, at their house, yeah. their house sitter guy. Kind of like what they do in Washington during the State of the Union speech where someone in the cabinet stays behind <laughs> just in case something happens. Similar, so that the whole government system isn't completely wiped out. Yeah, I guess that's the, that's yeah, the point. It'd be interesting to see the contents of Gronk's house. I wonder how you get away with multiple safes. And if you can't open them, I assume people who are prone to stealing safes know how to open them and have a plan. But uh, yeah, if you're not... Open it. Who has multiple safes? I, I don't know. I, Wouldn't I don't, you just have one big safe? If you had that much stuff that you needed to safeguard, would you have one big safe or multiple safes? I don't know. Uh, the Mets have signed free agent third baseman Todd Frazier to a two-year deal worth $17 million. The 31-year-old played with the Yankees last season after getting traded from the White Sox. The deal is pending the New Jersey native passing a physical. Tom's River, New Jersey. I, I was thinking this last night. I've always kind of said or had in my mind that he was a Syracuse basketball fan. I'm not sure where I picked that up or, or gathered it. Uh, he played at Rutgers and uh, seems like a good guy. Commuted from Tom's River last year to Yankee Stadium uh, playing for the Yankees. And uh, that's a whole lot of time uh, on the turnpike and in your vehicle. I can't imagine he'll do that if he knows he's in for the long haul of the season with the Mets. But uh, good for him. And the Mets sign old free agents. It's kind of what they do. And a Virginia man has won the lottery after playing numbers that he claims to have seen in a dream. 
Victor Amol says the numbers 3, 10, 17, 26, and 32 appeared in a dream, so we used them in four identical Cash 5 tickets. They happen to be the winning number, so Amol won four prizes worth $100,000 each. So the buying of the individual tickets with the same number is the effect of uh, increasing your bet, so to speak, as yeah. opposed to hedging it with uh, with different numbers. He was all in on those numbers. Good spacing in those numbers. 3, 10, 17, 26, 32. And, uh, you know, they say like professional athletes and guys that are in the groove, the game slows down for them. Maybe he just had this premonition and sensed those numbers. And God bless him. Have you ever had a dream about numbers? I have uh, crazy dreams about all kinds of things. Uh, but I've never felt like I had numbers, nothing actionable, not, nothing yeah. that made me wake up going, you know what? Based on this dream, I'm going to have to put these numbers in play. No. I can't imagine actually remembering the numbers and, and being fast well, enough that's to write hard, them down. <laughs> hard part of the dream. I guess. Yeah, maybe he's, he must have seen a great visual. He must have a, excellent dreams. You'd like to know whatever he ate or drank before going yeah. to dinner. Or Din- going to bed. Dinner on uh, Mr. Amol now. With there you go. Nice little... Uh, he can fund it. Windfall. Dewey Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love at first slice. Right. <laughs> What's that a question? No, it's that's not your copy, but that is their tagline. You, yeah. So you, every day you, you type that, you don't have a shell or f- for this, because uh, you typed it wrong today. Yes, but I did, and, right. I, and I caught it. Literally, uh, during that last, or that's why I, uh, if you were watching on Facebook Live, you saw me scribbling a little note, because uh, like Ron Burgundy, I read yes, exactly what's in front of me. Yeah, that's not a, not something to brag about, I wouldn't think. No. The, that would be the whole point of watching on Facebook Live, right, is <laughs> yes. to see, because you can hear everything we're saying, yeah. you can hear, they have these things called radios, a lot of people have them in their car, right, having yeah. your, they get all that. So I would imagine if anybody, hello, if you're watching up there on Facebook Live, looks like the camera's pointed over here more. Hello. But um, so you can catch all these mannerisms or wh- how we talk or don't talk during yeah. the break or the fact that I'm now two for two shooting with ba- <laughs> making both my cup of uh, tea and crumpled up do we care copy in the trash can. Um, we also have a kind of a do we care recall. To last week, you were talking about Frasier. How did we get onto that? Because of the Murphy Brown thing, you thought that would be worth a remake or yeah, something? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Frasier, and I, I think that, or I thought at the time, that it would have, uh, it could have easily been redone because the show was timeless. Yeah, and today we lost uh, John Mahoney, the uh, actor who played, uh, what was his first name? Marty. Marty Crane, who uh, had the dog Eddie and sat in that. Big Funky Cherry passed away at age 77. Today on uh, Golik and Wingo, uh, Trey Wingo got into it a little bit and pointing out that uh, Mahoney was a guy who did not get into acting until late in life and used that as a, kind of a jumping off point for a philosophy of winging it a little bit. He was 37 years old. He had never done anything. And he decided, you know what? I, I want to try this. So kids, we're being real philosophical today. Uh, you know, if you have something that you feel is a passion... Man, strike out there and give it a shot. You never know what's going to happen. This guy was all set up. He was going to be a businessman, whatever, all this. And uh, he decided at 37, I got to try this. And he came out and, and look what happened. And uh, Worked out pretty well. Worked out really uh, obviously, well for him. So, as you said, best known as, as Frazier's dad and Frazier. And I loved yeah. him out of the crotchety old man yeah. that he was. Uh, yeah, I, I dug him. I, and, and, and as you mentioned, so many different films as well. But 
that is kind of a, a wild thing of rarely to see somebody starting that late in life no. doing other things and say, yeah, I'm going to make a career shift and have it be successful like that. And he, you know, he, it was the house of blue leaves is what he won. The, uh, I actually saw him on stage doing that show. He did a lot of voiceover work You'll, in a lot of movies that you would never, you know, obviously see him, but you, you would hear his voice in a lot of this stuff. It was just great. And it's, you know, it's just very cool that a guy basically in his middle age decide, yeah, you know what? What the hell? Yeah. Put all my chips to the table. Let's go out there. He took a swing, and it came out to be pretty cool. So tip of the cap, and RIP John Mahoney. Absolutely right. But another life lesson out there, man. Just go out there. What's the worst thing that could happen? So if you were going to change. All right, good stuff there from uh, Golik and Wingo this morning on uh, the passing of John Mahoney, bringing it back to sports. Sports movie he was in was uh, Eight Men Out. He was one of the, the players, Kid Gleason, uh, in that movie uh, on the Chicago Black Sox from uh, back in the day. So uh, rest in peace, John Mahoney. Marty Crane, his most uh, notable role. So good stuff there. When we come back, we'll uh, get into another of our uh, local boy, kind of a theme today, local boy done good. Can't use you, Joe, I guess, as an example. No, no, no. no. You're not that local to begin with. And I've never done anything good. No. So uh, we had Greg Paulus uh, on earlier from our interview with him last night. And we'll talk about Matt Patricia, the uh, former VVS High school student, graduate, went on to RPI, was a, a graduate assistant for uh, Syracuse football for a short period of time as well. In fact, uh, there's a connection there as to how he's assembling his staff in Detroit. And we'll touch base on that with Matt Derry of the Locked On Lions podcast in Detroit when we continue. We're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Syracuse in Winston-Salem Sunday to face Wake Forest. Tip at 2, Orange pregame, 145. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Heard Brian Higgins there on the uh, promo, the Syracuse women's basketball game on the road this weekend. That means the uh, men and women will both be playing Wake Forest at the same time, not uh, exactly the same tip. Orange men are in the dome on the 1 o'clock start against Wake on Sunday. Wanted to bring in Matt Derry from Detroit. We don't spend a ton of time talking Lions football, but I think it's a big deal when uh, a local guy is named head coach and the NFL, there's only 32 of those positions, so we thought we'd talk about the Lions change and the hiring of Matt Patricia from uh, VVS High School. And MD, how are you? Good to have you on again. Hey, what's going on, Matt? Big, uh, big, big W for the boys last night. Yeah, Great I know you were see. watching. Of course. You want to break that down quickly? What was your uh, take on that one? Uh, well, we finally made some shots. That was yeah. exciting. <laughs> Still only six three pointers, but uh, oh finding gosh. a way to get it no, done. It's incredible how much these kids battle. I do like, and no pun intended, I do like how hard they play. And, you know, when you're down to six healthy bodies and, and guys are playing 40 minutes a game, it's, it's, it's remarkable. I thought it was a uh, fun, fun, fun win for them. All right, so back on the map a little bit there at five and six in the conference and uh, some opportunities uh, the rest of the way. And we'll turn our attention back to that and see if uh, the Orange can get to where they want for the uh, NCAA tournament. And, you know, Matt, we thought uh, this week we knew it was going to kind of happen here is that when the uh, Super Bowl was over that uh, Matt Patricia would wind up in Detroit. You've been calling this one for a couple weeks out. You do the Lions uh, podcast and uh, are involved uh, in and around that team pretty regularly. Why was this a fit? Well, a couple of reasons, uh, Matty. Number one, uh, certainly the, the connection to Bob Quinn, the Lions general manager now entering his third season. They worked together in New England. Um, you, you look at that, that, that coaching tree that Bill Belichick has had. I know it hasn't been all that successful at the head coaching level, but it keeps churning out a lot of guys. And when you have familiarity and 
the buddy system plays a role in everything in, in, in our business and uh, in sports. You hire some people you might be familiar with. And Matt Patricia is a guy that is really, really smart. You know, the RPI background, everything else, um, you know, could have gone to Harvard. And the Lions need, I think, a new look. Um, for sure, it's a team that, that is right there on the cusp of doing some really good things. But when it comes to decision-making and I think pre- preparation, that was something that I think was lacking with their last coach, Jim Caldwell. So I think Matt Patricia is going to bring to the table on, uh, on top of the fact that I think he can improve the defense. So I think having the Bob Quinn connections and being a very uh, you know, smart individual will definitely help. Well, uh, when we're talking RPI with uh, Matt Patricia, it's not what we say in basketball, the ratings percentage index. It is literally, uh, he he's a rocket scientist. He went to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute uh, out in uh, Troy, either Troy or Schenectady, one of the two. And uh, as a GA here, and you talk about hiring friends, and now he's bringing Coach P on, obviously. And uh, how cool is that? To <laughs> Paul Fascoloni, uh, oh. ha- have whistle, will travel. What role will he have with the Lions? I'm so excited here. I hope there's some good Monday soup in Allen Park. uh, There's nothing better than Coach P sipping on some soup on a Monday. Uh, I think it's a tremendous hire. I'm not sure yet if uh, there have been reports he's going to be the defensive line coach. There's other reports he's going to be the D coordinator. Really? I'm not sure sure yet on what his role will be, but of course they have those ties to – um, you know, back in the nineties or, uh, when, when Matt Patricia was with him, like you said, as a grad assistant. So bringing in a guy that has defensive coordinator experience and D line coach experience in the NFL and somebody he can lean on that's been there longer than he has the coach B has been a head coach forever. So, uh, both of course, uh, with us at SU and, and at UConn. So I think it's a tremendous hire and we'll be interested in seeing who else he fills out the staff with, uh, the one thing that I think Detroit fans are not happy about. It appears that Jim Bob Cooter, the offensive coordinator, who's been there a couple of years under Matt Stafford, will stay. Mm. Um, but I, to me, you know, the Lions seem to always do this. They, they keep guys in the scouting staff, or they retain some other assistants. I'd love a clean, a clean sweep, and let's start from scratch type of situation with the coaching staff. But it appears that Jim Bob Cooter, somebody that works very well with Matthew Stafford, will stay. But I thought the offense at times underachieved this year. We're visiting with uh, Matt Derry. Just two more minutes uh, here, Matt. And, and uh, interesting, you used the expression that Jim Bob Cooter worked under Matthew Stafford because that's sort of the given. And if you're talking about, in Matt Patricia's case, the Giants were courting him and why would somebody go to the Lions instead of the, the Giants? Well, that's maybe the biggest reason right there. You mentioned Bob Quinn. That might be number one. But uh, Stafford's either 1 or 1A. One oh, I agree. I mean, this is, this is Matt Stafford's team, and it's taken about nine or ten years here, maybe too long for some Lions fans, but he's really, he's come on. He's become a, a, a top-shelf, definite top-ten type quarterback, whereas the argument always was in the radio shows, whether it was me or anybody else hosting it, is he ever going to be an elite quarterback? And I think the last couple of years he's taken steps forward. He's obviously the highest-paid quarterback now, and that will change as as soon as Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan and these guys get paid, and that's just the way it works. But Matthew Stafford's really good. You're right. If you're Matt Patricia, that's a position you don't really have to worry about, whereas with some of these other teams, their downfall is their signal caller. I mean, Jacksonville made the AFC Championship game, and I'm not so sure the folks down there know if, if Blake Bortles is the guy or not. Whereas in Detroit, Stafford is signed. He's, he'll be here four or five more years. And Matt Patricia now can kind of focus on what he likes to focus on, which is the defense. Get that unit to be even more solid and, and better than it's been. Add some more playmakers, and then know you have Stafford on the other side. Get them a running back and a running game. And the Lions can be a team. I think you look at the NFC uh, North next year, Rodgers healthy for Green Bay. 
The Vikings are a terrific team. And now the Lions, it'll be uh, it'll be a dogfight up there. All right, looking forward to it. We appreciate your time, uh, Matt. And you know what everybody says. What we know about uh, Matt Patricia, exceptionally bright, hardworking, certainly uh, poised for success. And uh, if he's not successful, it, it won't be for lack of you know time put in and, and knowledge. Hey, uh, official press conference tomorrow. Beard or no beard for Patricia? Oh, I, I think he's got to rock the beard, man. Yeah. I think he's got to have the backwards hat. I mean, well, actually, no, <laughs> Come right out with the press, with the pencil but, but in maybe, there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the back, but the, yeah, the pencil I think should stay. You never know. I think he'll 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 suit up and look good. But uh, he's he is who he is, and that 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 kind of blue collar look with the beard kind of. I think Lion fans are going to love it here in the Midwest and and right, uh, get a kick out of it and kind of. You know, there's already T-shirts being made here with the picture of him. And, you know, I don't know if we can go with Fear the Beard here, but there'll be some <laughs> sort of moniker that will go with it. Good stuff, my friend. We'll, uh, we'll check in after he's got a little uh, track record under his belt. We appreciate your time, all right? Have a good rest of the week. Thanks, Matt. That's Matt Derry, the Locked On Lions podcast in Detroit on Matt Patricia. He'll be officially named the Lions head coach tomorrow. Certainly not a lot of drama in that over the past uh, couple of weeks. So good show today. Uh, able to get a couple of uh, local boy done good tie-ins there for you, plus a complete recap from Coach Beheim's comments on the game last night. No show tomorrow. Back on Thursday with Mike Waters. For Joe Salzone, I'm Matt Park. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back on Thursday in the booth right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse.